0: At least so far, Clay, my, my absolute favorite thing about Enterprise is not anything to do with the casting. It's nothing to do with the writing. It's nothing to do with the setting or anything like that. My favorite thing, seeing as this came out in like 2001, is that the, the show somehow predicted the Make America Great Hat era of living <laughs> where um, semi-professionals are just wearing baseball hats while they're doing their job, and it looks ridiculous mm-hmm. and absurd. I don't know why these guys have hats that say NXO one on it as they're doing things but it's it's just like a terrific little reminder of this uh the hellscape that we currently live in
1: well that kind of statement makes sense coming from a two meter man like yourself (laughs) no you know i i thought the hats were funny because i i it occurred to me i was like so is this a thing that i just didn't notice in star trek that they started doing where they all have these all of the newer shows have these weird branded clothing that they wear because yeah. the first thing i thought of was how they wear the disco shirts on discovery
0: yeah which is just an advertising marketing thing right there right because, yeah yeah
1: and i imagine the same it, it was the same with the hats where it's like we got to give the people something they can buy
0: yeah i mean here I, I guess they're trying to go for something where it's like they're just modern man like they're just dudes who wear baseball hats <laughs> basically like they're they're yeah. no different from uh, contemporary you or me in this era so they wear hats and things like that but it's it's it is, like
1: it's strange it's like how on Picard, Picard always wore that shirt that said, I'm with Stupid and had the arrow pointing up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, um, the the only other thing about the hat is that I don't really understand why it says NX-01. I, I would, I'd almost be better with it if it was just like the Starfleet insignia or something. Mm-hmm. But to have the label so clearly be the ship, it just seems like it's weird and weird and out of place.
1: Well, I I assume it's a it's foreshadowing for when the temporal Cold War kicks up and they end up in the softball game against the Deep Space Nine guys. Mm-hmm. And- <laughs> they already got the hats.
0: <laughs> you can tell the. Um- the, you can tell the, the back-in-time version of everybody because they're wearing like a uh, like a gentleman's hat as opposed to a baseball hat. They're just sort of wearing like a uh, Mr. Peanut hat on top of their heads, and you know it's them. Um, it's like the
1: evil goatee. It's just a different version of the hat. On it's top a bad head. hat, too. It's not. It's like not a soft... You know how you can tell like a cheap, yeah, cheap. baseball hat? Yeah, the marketing like clearly, hats. Whenever someone makes yeah. that... Is, <laughs> They're very shallow. Like, they can't actually comfortably fit on any human's head. Yeah. It's got that mesh yeah. on the
0: back half that
1: you can't see from yeah. the front of the camera, but they, they do yes. that to save
0: a little bit of cost. All right. Let's um, let's take a break. We'll play a quote from this episode, and then we are going to break down Strange New World.
2: There are a number of protocols you may want to consider. Protocols. Vulcan ships would begin by sending automated probes down to collect more detailed scans. If the planet proved to be Minshara-class, we would then conduct a geophysical survey from orbit. Minshara-class? Suitable for humanoid life? How long would all that take? Six or seven days. You expect us to sit up here for a week while probes have all the fun?
0: All right, so this is the fourth episode of the first season of Star Trek Enterprise. It's called Strange New World. It aired on October 10th, uh, uh, 2001. I guess that is right. (laughs) Teleplay goes to Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong. Story credit goes to Rick Berman and Brennan Braga. Directed by old Star Trek director David Livingston. The in-universe date is unknown, but it takes place in twenty-one fifty-one. In this episode, an Enterprise landing party believes to is conspiring with a species of rock creatures on a strange Class M planet. That's a very that description is accurate, but that is not how I would describe <laughs> how I would describe no, the episode, which is interesting. Very much not. Um, yeah, this is. Strange New World, which is, I the, to me, what's funny about this episode, Clay, is that it's um, it's one of those ones where, I, this is not that strange. That I like the idea better than the execution, but I'm actually, mm. it's one of the few Star Trek episodes that I think would have benefited from being a little bit more odd than they're willing to go with, right. and. In a lot of ways, it kind of reminds me of the Naked Now, too, which is the (laughs) episode... I was going to
1: say the same thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the TOS and TNG episodes where they get a virus that makes their inhibitions fall away. It's kind of the same thing in that it's a little bit odd to have this so early in the run when you're not sure what all the characters' motivations really are. So when you strip Mm. them away, it's hard to tell whether or not they're acting within what they really believe or if they don't. So those, those are my two points. It's kind of a strange placement for the episode based on what they do, and... My favorite part of it is the, uh, the creepiness that Star Trek Enterprise seems to do pretty well, at least at this point, mm. where space is scary, where when, um, when they first start hallucinating and Mayweather just sees shadowy figures walking through the woods, I, I love yeah. that moment, and they don't do enough with it,
1: I don't think. Yeah, that stuff was pretty good. I also was thinking of, uh, of The Naked Now as well, and I was... <laughs> it's Because it's funny, because you, know, you said you wish they went weirder with it, and if they did go weirder with it, it would be like The Naked Now or the naked time or whatever, or either, whatever, pick your, pick your poison there. Um, I'm glad no one got horny and started disrobing Mm -hmm. um, because of this thing. So I think it's kind of like a, a delicate balance with uh not that the show is necessarily delicate in any way but like as far as that goes it's like how far do you push it before you fall into that territory because both of those episodes are notoriously episodes where people are like yeah it got really weird and it doesn't really work so keeping it a little bit more restrained makes sense um and i i also like uh, i think they do the creepiness stuff really well and i also still continue to like how um the problems they're running into the Star Trek problems are kind of on a smaller scale, Um, where you know it's like in the last episode, their first contact was with a slug. This time they're on a pl- on a planet where they're not running into giant rock monsters. They, it's just like an airborne pathogen, yeah, um, that they weren't counting on the flowers. Which, you, it's the flowers yeah. that get them. Yeah, which which we can get into whether or not maybe they should have counted on that and no, this wouldn't have happened if the the captain was a more competent person but uh <laughs> but yeah i it's um i i i i like this episode but there's something weird about this show that i can't put my finger on like it's this wasn't a bad episode it was about it was about what i expected as far as like performances and and writing and stuff but i still find there to be something slightly unsatisfying about this show and i can't put my finger on what it is Mm -hmm. i mean we were
0: briefly talking about that in our discord where um people were talking about whether or not enterprise is like substantially different from the other tng and tos and ds9 shows Mm. i I don't think it is but i think that i was wondering whether or not we're feeling that just because we haven't sunk into the embrace of the show yet because we are only three episodes in so we're we're sort of still unsure about what to expect from an episode. Although I would, I would agree with you that I think these early episodes share a lot of what early Star Trek episodes kind of have problems with, uh, no matter what the series is, and particularly in TNG, where they they feel like they have the bones of the idea that they want to deal with, mm. but they aren't sure how to make it work for this show in particular. So right, yeah. you're, you're kind of stuck with these very stock Star Trek episodes that are perfectly functional, but it doesn't feel like you're like really maximizing what this show can do. It just feels like right. you're getting these out and producing them because you need to have a first season.
1: Yeah, that's that's what it feels like. It feels like you know you, they've got these serviceable episodes that they've been writing with kernels of good ideas, but it doesn't have its own style yet. Yeah,
0: I I mean, would you? I I because I what I what I think that this episode is missing. Is they touch on it a little bit, but the, the trip and to Paul conflict, I feel, really could have gone deeper into the whole Vulcan mm-hmm. thing. Because I know I complained about her in the uh, the pilot, but I think to Paul here is actually very good as a Vulcan, where yeah. she is the one who's making all the correct logical decisions and they turn out to be the right ones. And Archer is playing the hot headed human who just wants to get out and stretch his legs and walk around on another planet for a little while. Mm-hmm. And that gets the crew into trouble. But so Paul here, I think, handles a very chaotic situation very well, and only sort of loses her cool towards the end of the episode when everyone starts freaking out around her, and she's like, "Listen, you idiots, like pull it together." Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's pretty good on her part. Um, I think it's a strong performance there. But I think that their their conflict, their conflict, really just feels like a crazy person holding a gun on another person, and that's the entire drama behind that whole sequence right. instead of some kind of like you know, trip going really into why he hates the Vulcans or why he thinks that the Vulcans are doing like holding humanity back and stuff. They don't, they don't really dig into that. They just do surface level stuff like that. And otherwise it's just two people with guns pointed at each other.
1: Yeah. And inside the episode, they don't really lay the groundwork for it either. Like, you know, not to compare it to other shows, but I thought the cold open kind of did it where Archer's like, nah, fuck it. to like,
0: we're going to do this our way. And she
1: goes like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. That, that's yes but as far as the conflict between trip and her okay yeah they don't they don't give you like a scene where you get a sense that trip is has these misgivings about the vulcans obviously that's a running theme in the show which is you know which i like i I, and honestly that's why i think this works better this early than the naked now did in tng because the stuff that they're playing on is stuff that they have established in other episodes it's not while these characters you still don't excuse me you still don't know a ton about them you do know that there is tension between the humans and the Vulcans so you can play on that and play on those uh uh, um insecurities and stuff perfect perfectly perfectly fine but yeah like I feel like in if an episode like uh a Deep Space Nine episode or something that the cold opener or an early scene would have some sort of conflict between those two um Because if you want to go with what they give you in the show, it should be Archer who's on the planet with her and has the conflict with her, not Trip. Because Trip's just kind of like along for the ride. He doesn't give a shit. And so having them – having him blow up at her for that sort of uh, xenophobic reason isn't super well laid out. But like I said, it is is established that the humans full stop seem to be kind of wary of the Vulcans.
0: Yeah, yeah. And – I think that's really just the only thing. I think I think that's the the main problem I have with it is that once things start going haywire, I think that they don't keep up the uh, the strange creepiness and instead try to just lay into that sort of like lazy Mexican standoff thing where there's only the two of them and it hey, doesn't, doesn't. Hey, really whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa! unfortunate that lazy Max, lazy had to go with The, like, the, <laughs> the Mexican stereotype, <laughs> lazy writing trope of a Mexican standoff. Um, because I really like the first half of this episode. I think that they, yeah. uh, again, it's like the series really does the thing of showing you what the first starship crew would, how they would react when they find things. Like they find their first class M planet and they can go down and walk around. It looks exactly like Earth, which is charming in its uh, <laughs> in, in its appearance at this point. And just the fact that they it's so novel to them they just kind of want to camp on the planet over- mm. <laughs> overnight is uh, like a, it's a nice touch that you never saw in any other star trek show because by that point kirk has landed on hundreds of planets and picard thousands or something like that and you never really get this sense of uh wide-eyed optimism that these guys have in this episode for the first half
1: yeah um you know i, I was watching this with my girlfriend and uh which was awesome because the as we started the the first thing she said was i really like that to character this this captain archer he's a bad captain (laughs) 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 my
0: my girlfriend is he hasn't watched star trek yet yeah he hasn't seen any
1: star trek episodes he doesn't know. my girlfriend is a scientist so when when to started talking about uh protocols and and the ways that you should do things when approaching something unknown like this she was like no she's absolutely right this is what they should be doing (laughs) um and uh she made she actually made a really good point at the end of it which was uh you know uh she was talking about the 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 one guy who got beamed back and and got the rocks in his face and stuff and his, and stuff um who was that the guy was that the cream of wheat kid from Ma- the matrix
0: no idea that that's a hell no. of a connection if it is
1: yeah i i only thought of it cuz he looks kind of similar and he also starts the show talking about food so <laughs> i, I I, anyway um but at the end she 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 was she said uh you know I really wish that had ended with Archer uh taking some culpability for what happened to the kid because the doctor feels so bad about not scanning for a subcutaneous blah 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 but if Archer had been more uh uh cautious when approaching this new planet that kid might never have been hurt yeah and i I think it's a really good point because on this show which is all about them dealing with this these things for the first time he is flagrantly not taking any precaution going down to this planet.
0: even even weather prediction which is something you think (laughs) they would
1: have mastered at this point yeah yeah but and so to to get to the end of that episode and have him just sort of like you know do that you know Eyebrows up, bacula half smile thing, and we're like, on to the next episode without him taking any sort of uh, culpability or or uh, or blame for. Oh shit, maybe maybe I could have handled this differently. Maybe I should be more uh, thoughtful when dealing with these these new planets. I think is a really big missed opportunity.
0: Yeah. Do you? So you think it's a missed opportunity and not an intentional statement about the character of Archer?
1: Uh, well, I, I mean, if it's. <sighs> If it's intentional, he's kind of an unlikable character. Yeah, but, I mean, he's. But we spent the whole episode with her turning to me, saying like, "This guy sucks." Well, I, I think what's funny is that what's funny about Archer is, and we, and, and at about halfway point, she's like, "Oh my god, he's a terrible captain," and his thing is water polo.
0: Is <laughs> he's, he's another one of the guys' thing where he he Archer just kind of sits around in his underwear when he's not doing stuff, which is.
1: Which is a nice beat for him, yeah. Um, or, or even, even, even if he, even if let's say it is an intentional character thing, right? Yeah, yeah. To not have a scene where, like, to Paul maybe choose him out over it, yep. and, and you know have him like brush it off or something, just something to acknowledge that the reason they were in that position is because he was like, you know, uh, Colonel Kilgore in Apocalypse Now, where he's like, "Put on your surf trunks, let's go surfing. Who cares what they're shooting at us?"
0: Yes, I, I would agree that and, I was asking. Being somewhat of a devil's advocate because I don't think... I think that, as you're saying, you need a paul episode or a Paul scene like that where they talk about what Archer did, and mm. even if he doesn't feel bad about it, they at least sort of broach the subject. Archer, we talked about him being one of the guys. Archer, to me, is actually kind of interestingly the captain. Maybe this is not true the more that I'm thinking about it. He's, he, he's, he's a captain who very strongly reflects the theme of the series, which I guess is true for... TOS and Tng uh, ds9 to a lesser extent I think and Voyager to mm-hmm. a lesser extent but he is he feels to me like he's the most representative of what the show is about at this point in time like he he, mm-hmm. he seems much more like he's a product of a time just because their point in the timeline in this series is much more important than it is in the later series because it's earlier so everything has to be a little bit more prototypical but he's um his gung-ho-ness and the fact that he hasn't learned any lessons yet, which leads him to this kind of optimistic, like, ah, shucks, everything will work out for us. I I do kind of like it, but they, they certainly don't question it, at least in terms yeah. of the other crew saying, like, maybe it's a bad idea that we go down to this planet that we don't know anything about. Again, it's the um, uh, the Sam Rockwell guy from Galaxy Quest of, like, yes. don't touch that. You don't know what this is. So we need that character.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I do i would like it more and maybe they do this as the show goes on i don't know but i would like it more if it was a conscious decision to have a captain a star trek captain who is doing all this stuff for the first time so he does make mistakes but part of that is him learning why he can't do the things that he just did so it's not like kirk where kirk is uh at least traditionally known to be fairly carefree and and uh, swashbuckling and and, on, and always on the edge. Kirk has a lot of knowledge behind him to he support the, the decisions. Yeah, yeah, he knows the rules. He knows which rules he can break. He knows which rules he can, that can, how far the rules can bend. He knows how to how to push the envelope without breaking the envelope. I don't know what the other side of that. that <laughs> without the, pull, push the envelope and watch it bend.
0: I, I, what, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's. Kirk is um Kirk is a very good Starfleet captain who knows he whenever he is going to do something, he's fully aware of whether or not he's following or breaking the rules for that situation. Yeah. And the, the the drama of the episode usually comes around his decision about is this the time where I need to break
1: the rules or not. Right. And and you know, I think what I would like what I would have liked for Archer is if something like if at the end of this episode <clears throat> You have a scene where Tapal chews him out and he doesn't want to back down, so he brushes it off like, Ah, whatever. He's fine. No big deal. Everyone's fine. Nobody died. That kind of thing. And then after that, maybe it's a scene maybe it's a scene with Tapal in his quarters where she chews him out. And then after that, when he's by himself, he kinda of takes a moment and then he pulls up his captain's log and he makes a note about what he should have done or you know something like that where it's like his outward facing character is this he doesn't want to back down to the Vulcans he does want to present this you know we can do anything I can do anything where it's going to be fine mentality but he's also taking in the uh uh the uh um the consequences yeah Yeah, the lessons and the consequences of of being that way yeah I I would agree because it's like because it's like that way you can <clears> – <throat> it's an interesting concept because it's kind of like what they tried to do with the uh, Kelvin movies where it's like, oh, we'll go back and we'll see how Captain Kirk became Captain Kirk. And it's like, okay, yeah, fine. You get two hours to do that, so it's going to be over the top and crazy. You've got an entire series to show how the quote-unquote Star Trek captain became the Star Trek captain. Yeah. You get to see someone molded into what at the end of the show the character for Archer would be. He is now the first Starfleet captain. Yeah, capital S, capital C.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree with that, and I and I, I think it's all in execution. Possibly
1: capital F. I don't know if Starfleet's two words.
0: I <laughs> and I I think that. I think that there's definitely the bones laid here to do that. Like, it's not something that can't be corrected later on. Right, maybe they're right. just kind of learning the fact that maybe they have to... Um, I don't know if this is the case because I honestly don't remember, but I don't know if they're kind of realizing as they're writing it that maybe they need to be a little bit more explicit with Archer's uh, state of mind towards these things. Um, but that would be something that I'd be interested in going towards. Did the did the plant transporter guy not die at the, in this he episode? did not die.
1: No, he made it out.
0: Oh, so even when Flocks was worried about his like poisoning or whatever, he survived that.
1: Yeah, they ended up. Uh, I th- I think they make a they say a line at the end that he's 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 recovering.
0: Oh, okay. Because um, the other thing that's kind of interesting, they confirmed the number of crewmen on the Enterprise in this episode, which is eighty three, which is a very mm. small number. It's tiny. Yeah, it is. Um, and I was, so losing
1: I, one would be kind of devastating. I was going to say, I was surprised that nobody died in this episode because that seems like the perfect thing to kill someone. Uh, but then I, I was like, oh, well, I mean, it's a small ship. Maybe they can't kill people at the same clip that they did on the original, the, the previous shows where there's like 3,000 people on the ship.
0: Right. It'll just be the main cast members by the end of the, the series. <laughs> I was on an I was ship.
1: shocked. I was shocked that the the bug girl didn't die because when she, the, before they go down, when she's like, to, she talks to Paul and she's like... Thanks so much for taking me on this with you. You didn't have to do that. I was like, oh, she is so dead. Yeah, you can't make friends Um, with the main cast member. But instead of dying, she just kind of got forgotten about because she just kind of disappears for the last 10 minutes of the episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. She's just another face to go down. Um, Yeah, I... Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't die. 83 is a very small. I I suppose if someone had died in this it does feel it would be even more awkward to not have Archer reflect on what went on seeing as though he probably literally knows everybody on the ship by first name. Right, right. Um so it's that would cause the focus of the episode to move away from and I think that's actually a weakness. I would I would preferred focusing on that character drama of Archer as opposed to the sort of slightly bland sci-fi thing of just going
1: crazy because of pollen
0: on the planet yeah Uh, especially because the crazy is not crazy enough really
1: right and that's another thing too where it's like a a a learning moment for archer is yet we yeah we landed on this m-class planet it seemed to be fine and someone that ended up getting killed because we didn't you know we didn't look at our scanners long enough yeah and take precautions that's i think I don't know how long it's going to take for someone on the ship to be killed, but I hope it's a big moment for Archer when someone is killed. And yeah. Like it's a, a big, uh, you know, w- w- I, hope, I hope it's not just brushed aside the way that they tend to do on, on uh, previous right. shows.
0: Just another red shirt who happens right. to Right. Be- exactly. Yeah. yeah. Also. Just, just the 83. The, the, if someone dies on this show, it's much different than the other shows. It's just, it's not a drop in a bucket really at that point. It's, right. It seems right. more personal.
1: I did also just want to say because you said red shirt and uh, uh, these ones they have got that turquoise stripe. I don't like the turquoise. I, I wish it was the I wish it was the blue, the uh, the old style blue. Sorry, what are you what are you talking? What what the stripe on the uniforms? You know they get the the uh, commanders have the yellow stripe. Oh the sure, other yep. guys have the red stripe and the science guys have the turquoise stripe. I don't know when exactly they went from blue to turquoise. Mm-hmm. It must have been like Voyager because I think the Doctor wears turquoise. Um. But uh, I like. I prefer the blue. I wish it was blue. Just the the darker shade of blue.
0: I, I don't even notice that. I don't even uh, recognize the difference. I suppose maybe I'm not paying close enough attention to it.
1: It's weird. It's a really subtle shift over the shows. They they go from that. They, like uh, uh, the so, what are early... you considering
0: blue? The TOS
1: color blue, like that yeah, powder like blue. When when uh, if you want to even go further, more recent, like uh, uh, on TNG. Uh, Beverly Crusher at least starts the show wearing blue, like mm-hmm. the old, you know, DeForest Kelly blue. Um, and then eventually, I think that this, the, I don't know if on the show or maybe they do it in the movies, but eventually all the people wearing blue turn to turquoise.
0: Oh, okay. I think I see that now. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm picturing Bashir with the color that you're thinking of on his shoulders.
1: Yes. Bashir yeah. definitely wears that color.
0: Yeah. Maybe just the, um, with the darkening of the sets and the uniforms in general, I guess they needed a darker shade because the DS nine might've been the, the reason for that because the, that's true. Yeah. When they moved to those, um, more military looking outfits, I think the brighter colors wouldn't really work there. So they, they toned down everything. Like he has more of a burgundy red, uh, Cisco right. than he has a straight red color. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, um, the colors that they have in the show on the, the, their, 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 uh, division stripes is a lot more in line with the darker colors that they've been using for the past few years yeah
0: yeah yeah um what'd you think of the planet stuff i think we i think I, that's pretty much everything i wanted out of the character work which is that i like to in this i like the archer sort of uh gung-ho least this disaster and i'm not crazy about the trip and to interactions but what'd you, what'd you think of the actual planet stuff which is the second half of the episode um,
1: you mean like uh, the stuff where they're in the cave and everything? Yeah,
0: just being in the cave and yeah. on the uh, yeah. I guess the, I guess the cave is the turning point there. Once uh, Mayweather starts seeing people walking around,
1: yeah, I thought I thought it was nice and creepy. Um, yeah, I wish they had done something a little bit more. I mean, you know, hallucinating rock monsters is pretty out there. Uh, I, I don't know if I would want like something like uh, special effects flashier. Yeah. Um, but uh, I. I did like that stuff. I tr- I have a real tough time with Trip and it's not because of anything the actors, well maybe it is, but I I can't I think he's I can't watch him without thinking it's someone doing a George Bush impression. <laughs> so it makes it really difficult for me to take him seriously. Yeah, yeah. Um and when he goes into his uh freak out at the end, I think he was I don't know. He starts like at at 11 and then he just keeps going up.
0: Um, I thought I thought the same for his tent scene when they were pretending that the tent was blowing away. He was he was at 11 for the for the wind (laughs) acting there. I thought it was it was really good. There was nothing wrong with it. But it's it's always funny in these shows when you can tell that people are screaming for no reason because there's no noise on set that they have to scream over. Right, you know, it always comes across as something like, "Hey, I'm going," or right. it's that kind of yelling, and I thought that he did well, that, a pretty good job
1: of it. I think what you're what you're hearing there, though, is all of that stuff seemed to be ADR'd because they are they're actually they're blasting them with these wind things, so the, the sound wind, that yeah. they're pulling in is probably not very good. Right. So it's even worse when you are re-recording your dialogue in a. Sterile. Quiet, soundproof Sterile. room, and you have to recreate the energy of yelling during a windstorm. Then it starts to sound really fake. Yeah,
0: I. What do you think about that? Would this? I think this episode would have been elevated slightly if it was a mystery what was going on for longer to them. Like if they um. if they started seeing these people and they were if it was not immediately a reveal where Mayweather's like, I saw somebody and Paul scans and she goes, there's nobody out there. You know that nobody's out okay. there at that point, right? Okay. But what if, they, what if they had played up this, like what's going on and even at the mystery of, because I think one really effective scene is when that girl sees T'Pol talking to the yeah. two people in the cave and she goes yeah. over to her. Like if they, had, if they had played that up a little bit more, I think that I would have been more engaged in that storyline because it's like, oh, this is like mysterious and bizarre and what's actually going on here.
1: Yeah i I would say that I think it still works because, um, because of what's going on and because everyone is so uh, hesitant to trust to Paul and to Paul's not doing herself any favors by playing every scene like she's a secret uh, mustache twirling villain, which yep. I think is I think is great because she's what. She's she's playing it. She's a she's very good at playing a Vulcan, but she also has this this back end to whatever she's doing, where it's like in her head she's actually playing these scenes as though she is about to screw everybody over. Yeah. <laughs> but it just but that's just it just comes across that way because that's how the Vulcans seem. They're yeah. very un, uncaring and stuff. Um, but I, I think that stuff works because there's this inherent distrust of of T'Pol. Um, so when she says there's nobody there, they have a reason not to believe her even if we know that it's that's the truth and honestly, we don't even know that that it's the truth for a little bit um yeah. yeah but yeah, I think I would i think I would probably give to Paul a little bit more to do because once they come back from that that where the the girl sees her talking to the rock people, they're all kind of stuck in the same place and she's they're just accusing her and she's just defending herself. So it doesn't really move in either direction other than trip just losing his shit. Yeah. Yep. So like if she had a couple more bits of business where she could do, that she could do to make her seem a little bit more suspicious to like uh, tighten that screw a little more. Um, maybe that would jack up the tension a little bit. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I, I think you just, either one of those is fine. I think you just, you need to add a layer to that story there. Yeah, It's the, um,
1: like, if she's if she's going crazy slower than the other ones, maybe she's they catch her going through their gear or something because she's trying to take the guns away, so something that like what does happen doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, that kind of thing, where it's like she's still saying she's actually acting in the best interest of what's going on, but through their eyes, it seems like she is, you know, doing something sneaky.
0: It's a good place as any. I was thinking, because we had another conversation on the Discord about... Um I think Nick had mentioned about in Broken Bow how we were both kind of lukewarm on the second half of Broken mm-hmm. Bow, uh, where uh, he's just wondering why why we were sort of down on that stuff and why why sort of like that adventure storytelling style doesn't really work for me at least or maybe you too, um, and I was thinking it got me thinking about like how you define. Plot versus a story, right? Mm-hmm. Which is that a plot is a plot is a kind of a story, but it's not really a very good story. So, a plot would basically be if I were to tell you my day to day beats today, like what I did today. You know, mm-hmm. if I if I told you I went through the the thing of I got up at five thirty, we got the kids, we made food, I went to the grocery store, I came here, I sent some emails for work, I was sitting down to record. That's the plot of my day. Right. But mm-hmm. if in the middle of going to the grocery store, I got T-boned by a Mack truck or something, you know, and they had to come out and sort of like, you know, it was like my father was driving this Mack truck or something like there's a there's a story in the plot within that right. piece. And I think that what's suffering here is that the the cave plot in this episode is just a kind of plot thing. It's just a they go crazy. They draw guns. They're pointing them at each other. But it doesn't have an underlying narrative that's more interesting than just the beat-by-beat story that's going by. And Broken Bow is the same thing, where Broken Bow is just event after event after event without anything really interesting to tie it all together. And this is the same thing. And that's to me, that's when episodes suffer, when it doesn't have a kind of more interesting underlying dramatic tension going on Mm. as opposed to just character goes here, character does that, character goes here, character does that.
1: Yeah, um, I think I've mentioned this before. <clears throat> I know I have on Rotten Horror Picture Show, but I, I recently was was uh, watching or reading a screenwriting thing, and the the person who was who was uh, the author of it uh, floated this idea that, that there's a difference between a story and a situation, and I think that's what you're talking about. And it's it, it, I had never thought about it in those terms before because generally when we talk about this stuff, we end up referring to it as like it looks good on note cards. Where you put the note cards on the wall, and it's like, yeah, that stuff seems to make sense. That that looks like a show, but when there you get into there must be a story it, in there. Yeah, there, there's got to yeah.
0: be a story in that. that yeah, plot you've got there. your
1: you've got your beats there, but it's it's just doesn't materialize once you put it on the screen, and it's that, and to hear this person kind of uh, uh, succinctly. Sum that up made a lot of sense to me that there is a difference between a situation and a story. Not every situation is a story, right? Uh, and situations are they're trapped on a a planet and they have to laser blast their way out. Okay, that is that's a situation. That is not a story, right? And I and it's it's really interesting to, to watch these shows or or anything really with that in mind and see where that um, the, the there hasn't been that step from situation into story, and I'm actually running into it myself in the in the book that I'm writing, um, because I'll be writing some scenes, and I'll I'll write the scene out, and I'll, I'll it'll just be like, all right, I need the characters to do this, so then I write the scene out, and when I get to the end of the scene, I go, oh, this just is it's, it's just I can feel them like looking at their watches, getting yeah. from point A to point B, yeah, and then I I have to go back and I'm like, no, this isn't how this would go. The real conflict is not. We have to get character from point A to point B. That's not really a conflict. The conflict is the getting from point A to point B. The person in the way of the main character. What is what? Is, what are they clashing over? Whether it's uh, uh, fundamentally or ethically or, or or something like that. That's where the story is. It's not just we watch person A walk across the screen to the other side of the screen. Yeah. It's everything in the middle that that stresses the main character and and, and what they're made out of.
0: Yeah. No, agreed. I think that's a pretty good definition. That's what I'm – and that is a – that's fundamentally when I bring up that criticism of – I have to –
1: sorry. I have to look it up and find – and remember who said that because I would love to give them credit.
0: (laughs) It's not not McKenna, right? Is it Terrence McKenna? No.
1: It's – Hold on, I think I might actually have the window still open.
0: I can, uh, I can Uh, kill time. Well, as you're looking that up, I'll just say that when when I Jill,
1: Jill Chamberlain is her name. If you look her up on if you look her up on YouTube, there's some interviews with her where she talks about. um, She's got this this. storytelling technique worksheet thing that she's that she's hawking, which I haven't l- really looked at yet because I'm a little bit wary of those things. But uh, listening to her talk, she seems she knows what she's talking about, and uh, especially when it comes to that situation versus story thing. I think she's dead on.
0: I, ho- I have to be honest. I hoped you were going to come back from a web- website and go, his name is uh, Al Kurtzman. Al. <laughs> 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 It'd just be an awkward silence. I'd be like, all right, that's, uh, that's it. That's Al
1: Kurtzman has been, he's been writing for his son, Robert, what? What? Oh, jeez.
0: <laughs> that's um. Yeah, when I talked about the the sort of lacking in the action thing, or when a, so when a story feels like plot, that's basically what I'm talking about. And I think that this episode suffers a little bit from it. So let's take Sorry, a break. I forgot
1: his name is Alex, not I, not Robert. I his name was Ro- I it was Robert. I thought you were talking about that. It was his dad. Maybe it's <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's a short. I got point. I got Alex Kurtzman mixed up with Robert Kirkman. So what is Kirkman from? Robert Kirkman is the creator of The Walking Dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> this
0: guy with gray hair is telling me how to write a story. Let's take a break. We'll play an audio clip from the episode, and then we'll come back and give our final thoughts and read some patron thoughts about Strange New World.
2: We never thought the storm would drive you into the caves. That's where these rock people live. They didn't want anybody in there except for Paul. so... They're not too happy right now. I'm sure you can understand that. They've even threatened to destroy Enterprise. Now, T'Pol needs to explain to them why you're all there, but she's not gonna have much credibility with you pointing a face pistol at her. If they agree to listen to her, you'll need to lower your weapon. If they don't, I'm gonna have Malcolm destroy the cavern. Sacrificing four more crewmen is a small price to pay to save Enterprise. I understand.
0: Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. If you enjoyed the content today, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file, and a couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. It's the best way to support the show. It keeps us running and uh, and all that jazz. And if you've enjoyed the content, if you did enjoyed our Enterprise coverage or some past coverage as you're uh, catching up, Check out Patreon, and uh, we much appreciate it. As always, our Captain tier gets a shout-out at this point. A special thank you goes to Andrew Churlog, Ben Douglas, Cardinal Doomsday. Let me widen this window a little bit. Chris Hinsley, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Moss, David Biermore, David K., Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, Jacob123, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Reis, Kyle Barrett, Mad Courier6, Matt Cutler, Matt Houston, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elliott, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean, Stephen Minton, Tark Latif, Tom Howles, and Vault13Hero... Thank you very much. Too kind. Thank you for supporting the show. And now we'll go to patron thoughts where if you're a patron of the show, you get to leave your comments about upcoming episodes and we read them. There's only three. There's either a lack of interest in enterprise or we're just, uh, we didn't give them enough time to comment on these things as we're moving along. But Matt Ross (laughs) says, the entire opening scene only shows that Archer and his crew are not ready to explore alien worlds. Nothing that T'Pol suggests is irrational, but a six-day episode is not in the works for TV. I mean, you could just have a six-days-later card. Not surprising that there is space stuff making the landing party see rock people, among other things. I did notice that the bluish Andorian and crewman Cutler's
1: vision, the, the bluish Andorian and crewman Cutler's visions, the see, coolest, Sorry, can I jump in for a second? Yeah. See, if they had done... Uh, if they had done what he's saying and they put up a card that says six days later and then they go down to the planet, then you have a situation. The story is that Archer wants to go. Paul doesn't want him to go, but Archer goes anyway, and that's right. where the conflict comes from. Having yep. them just wait is not a story.
0: <laughs> yes. That's, a, that's a, uh, a good example of that. The coolest is the transporter sucking in stuff into the beaming crewman uh flox is dressed down in the sadness at the possible loss of red shirt one was genuine the tension between the crewmen on the surface felt legit too next time wear a helmet next comment is point extra g i'm trying to decide if this is an episode that works better if you know the characters or not seeing characters go crazy usually is better if you know what's normal for them i don't know if this episode is well written enough to be improved by knowing trip into paul And our final comment, Cal Barrett says, if Wes hasn't sang the episode title to the tune of A Whole New World from Aladdin yet, then I'll be very disappointed. Well, he's going to depatronize after this. I did not get around to doing it. The episode where they're off their tits on mushrooms the whole time sadly isn't as enjoyable as that concept sounds. After the novelty of seeing them reach their first Class M planet wears off, I find this episode to be incredibly boring. 30 minutes in, we find out what's wrong with everybody, and the ship has a way to rescue everyone with the transporter, and yet we still have to watch 15 minutes of them arguing and threatening each other. It's just mind-numbingly oh, tedious. P.S. They, they ass-
1: Sorry, I'll, I'll wait. P.S. Yuri
0: Gagarin was the first man in space. I don't know if anyone has told you that yet. Uh, we did. We did hear about that.
1: I, they established. They established that they can't use the transporter because that guy ends up with rocks in his face. Yeah,
0: which is the callback to what I said in the pilot, right? You were you were worried that they were just going to start beaming people, yeah. but beaming people is still dangerous to them.
1: Yeah, I, I I liked that. I thought that was cool. I mean, that guy, man, I don't know what. I hope that guy gets some time off because between. <laughs> uh, uh, fatal dosage of of uh, tra- uh hallucinogenic virus plus having multiple rocks pulled out of his body. Yeah, yeah. He's going to he's going to need some time to recover. He'll need
0: <laughs> he needs some holodeck time. They don't have it yet. At this point the relaxing on enterprise is sitting around with your water polo ball, I think, and just kind yeah. of bouncing it off the walls. Why
1: did he bring that with him?
0: I I guess he likes if to If they
1: don't have a holodeck? No he's he just <laughs> i i always find that weird when they give like a character some quirk like that and it's something that they bring with them that makes absolutely no sense why you would bring like you remember i was i was bitching about the fact that uh, soji brought all those pictures with her for to like essentially go uh study abroad for yes, like 6 yes. months yeah yeah in in it's in that a kind trade. of thing where it's like we need to, to give him a character trait what if he plays water polo sure give him a ball why would he bring a water polo ball Onto a however many year month mission in space.
0: Yeah, especially this this timeline because you because it's so early they can't replicate it as you say. So he has to carry it, place. Like he has to he has to pack yeah. it like he's going on a flight.
1: I yeah. mean, if they wanted to do it, like really make him like Colonel Kilgore from Apocalypse Now, where he's just always looking for a body of water to play water polo in, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> like if they had gone down to that M class planet because he was psyched that there was a a still body of water that he could get a game going in. That's fine. Just dives right in.
0: Dives right but, in.
1: But uh, yeah, I did want to say one other thing about about his comment is, uh, yeah, I I enjoyed this episode, having never watched the show before. Um, but I don't think this episode holds up on rewatch at all. Right. It's yeah. like, especially from what he's saying, like at the halfway point, once you figure out what's going on, it's like eh, there's really nothing that that keeps it is worth going back to in this one
0: yeah the first time through it kind of tricks you because you think that it must be building to something and mm-hmm. the building never comes and then you get to the end of it and you're like yeah i guess that was okay but it was kind of unsatisfying but on rewatch you know to expect nothing is coming yeah. um that's it for the patron comments thank you very much patrons for leaving your thoughts much appreciated thank you for supporting the show everyone else if you've uh if you're caught up on enterprise leave some comments we'll read them on the show on patreon.com slash the penske file all right so what are you going to give this one, Clay? I'll go first if you want. I'm going to, mm-hmm. uh, this is another three for me. It's probably mm-hmm. a weaker three than Fight or Flight, but it's still, I think it's like a, a perfectly serviceable episode at this point that doesn't really excite me or make me go like, oh yeah, that was, that was a good thing. It just, it just feels like a functional episode of TV that is working in every regard, but could be improved in a lot of ways too, but it's, it's not functionally bad to watch.
1: Yeah, I would say same thing hundred percent. I, I would give it a three. I don't think it's, uh, um, <clears throat> I am, you know, I, I, a lot of people who've been commenting that this first season is, is, is a, quite a slog. And, uh, I, am curious when that sets in. And I mean, I'm not like, you know, looking forward to the tidal wave of terribleness, but it's like, I, I wonder how much of it is rewatch these shows not being as rewatchable as some of the other ones. Right. Where like if you've never seen this episode before, it prob does it fare better than if you know you go back and you're like, oh, oh, it's the one where they go to that planet and it's boring for forty minutes. You yes. know, yeah. Uh, I'd be curious to see um, generally when they start getting you know really bad. Yeah, yeah. Because the- I was they- just gonna say the one the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, uh, real quickly is. Um, how come this show is in HD but Deep Space Nine is not? The show is not uh, originally
0: broadcast in HD.
1: I think they, I know, but like the whatever the stream is, it looks it looks like it's HD. Uh,
0: is it's the remaster? If it's not,
1: right? yeah. If, if it, it it looks better than Deep Space Nine did.
0: I think that they they probably shot it on film or digital, right? And they just aired it in standard uh, format, and then. Mm-hmm. Which is what they did with TNG and stuff too, but I think that they they must have just it must just be a product of it happened so recently that they still have the original
1: footage to to mm. redo. Is that the thing that's stopping Deep Space Nine from being remastered?
0: Yeah, because the way that they did it was the none of the special effects. I don't I don't know the technical the production problem is always said to be none of the special effects were composited or whatever with the original footage so you can't just upgrade it you have to like oh. you have to redo all the special effects basically oh jeez. <laughs> so that's the reason that ds9 and t that they did it for tng because it was worth yeah. it but it was not it's not going to be worth it for ds9
1: yeah, that's too bad
0: it is but this one uh this is just a season four of this show i know aired in high definition it aired in oh really
1: yeah no kidding yeah wow we had 1080 in. 2005 2005
0: wow yep that's wild uh but no i i mean if you because if when i go back and i get all the screen caps to put it, the artwork up and stuff they're all in small low res resolutions because they don't have mm. the high def screen grabs at that point hmm. uh that's it thank you guys very much for listening thank you for supporting the show patreon.com slash the penske file all the other links are down below the dot file.com slash links if you want to go there for anything else and I think that's pretty much it. Clay, do you have anything you want to
1: say? Uh, no, we get a Rotten Horror Picture Show. Uh, we just had Peter Jackson's Dead Alive was our last episode. And uh, the next one after that is, I don't remember. Ginger Snaps. Uh, <laughs> ginger Snaps. There we go. Uh, and uh, Badass Podcast with me and Sean talking about Batman the Animated Series should be coming back in a couple of weeks, I think.
0: Yep. Sounds good. And I think that's it. We're done here uh enterprise continues that was strange new world and the next one is what is the next one i am going to click the button and see unexpected is the next episode which has a thumbnail of trip pulling up his shirt and pointing at his hairy stomach so that'll be
1: exciting is uh is season three of discovery just going to be this episode across stretched across 13 episodes
0: uh strange new world yeah i hope so I hope it's just yeah. it's it's thirteen episodes of spore based comedy.
1: I would <laughs> I would hope.
0: Still don't know, still don't know when Discovery's coming out. I don't think they've announced yeah. it.
1: Do you know if there's has there been any talk of if, if there's been any production delays because of the virus and everything? I thought they were Even done like shooting,
0: spore. but I guess the editing can be impacted by it. Yeah, I haven't heard anything specifically about that. I I, I just know that they, I think it got pushed back and delayed, or they. They announced that they didn't have a date before the pandemic started, I think. So it must just be behind schedule and maybe this is impacting it even more. Hmm. I think that's it. We're done with Star Trek, Strange New Worlds. Thank you very much, guys, for listening and we will see you next time.